Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Welcome in Wednesday, June 10th. So what are we about? uh, Seven weeks away now from the return of the NBA, July 31st. Had a little NBA news uh, yesterday with uh, LaMarcus Aldridge. Actually, you may have heard it Monday night. Uh, LaMarcus Aldridge uh, messing up his shoulder and having surgery. Now, the, the Spurs are an interesting deal. Uh, Aldridge has a surgery. He hurt the shoulder actually against the Jazz back in February. Had the surgery in April, is not going to play with the season restarting. And I think this is a little bit like Bogdanovich. And I wonder if we're going to hear about more players who've had this kind of, I don't know if I want to call it off-season surgery or what, but surgery during this three months. You know, you're not sure if it's going to come back. I mean, we have Joe Ingles on the air and you could hear it in his voice. Are we coming back or not? I hear we are, but they don't want to make the call. And so as the weeks went by, depending on what surgery you have, you know, they know the rehab time and they're timing it for next season. And so, you know, Aldridge, Bogdanovich, we didn't know about Aldridge. He had the surgery in April and it comes out in June. Right. So it's about six weeks, I think, since he had the surgery. Uh, How many other players is this going to happen to? You know, I know some of you when basketball comes back, will treat it like kind of an exhibition season. Well, they're playing and I'll watch it, but it doesn't feel like a real season. The home and road's gone. There's no fans. The momentum of the season is gone. So I know some of you. Now, others of you are going to be all in. Win, 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 win. Right. If that's who you are and you're analyzing strength of schedule in the last eight games, because it's very tight with the Jazz in Oklahoma City, but I think also with Denver and Houston. Could the Jazz move up to third? Yes. Could they drop to sixth? Absolutely. Um, could they drop to seventh with Dallas? I think that's a little bigger ask, but it could happen. Um, so strength of schedule matters, and the Jazz are scheduled to play the Lakers and Spurs twice if... They do this, play the next, you know, pick up the schedule where it was and play the next eight teams that are still playing. Minnesota was in that mix, but they're not still playing. So you drop down, you pick up one more. Now, will they jiggle that a little bit? The original was, hey, you're going to play the next eight teams. But then the next day, there was a thing from the league office. Well, that's kind of generally what they're going to do. And there is a little bit of push, and I don't know if it'll gain enough steam or not, but there's a little bit of push to um, not have teams play back-to-back against the same opponent and to get a better you know, mix of opponents. Well, if that happens, that impacts the Jazz a lot because in what would be their next eight games, they would play the Lakers twice and they would play the Spurs twice. Now, so that's going to mix up the schedule. Now, you can argue when you play a team twice that, that you're supposed to split. You're taking the travel and the home fans out, so I don't know if that will hold up in a neutral site like Orlando. We don't really have anything to compare that to. But under n- normal circumstances, and these certainly aren't, but under normal circumstances, when you play a team twice in three days or four days or whatever, usually they split unless one team's really good or one team's really bad or there's some type of overwhelming injury. So it'd be easy to look at the Minnesota-San Antonio thing and say the Jazz ought to split those. McDonavich is out. Aldridge is out. Something to keep in mind as the Jazz get ready to uh, play the Spurs as things resume. July 31st, eight games, 16 days. By mid-August, we're going to be on to the playoffs. All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. I'm going to take a break. When we come back, Booby Hobbs, former Utah defensive back, talking about his relationship with Morgan Scally and his experiences at the U. That's next. 
Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280, The Zone. We are joined now by Booby Hobbs, the former Utah defensive back. He joins us on the Sprint Special Guest Line. Sprint makes it safe and easy to get what you need online. Visit Sprint.com for online services and local store availability. Booby, good morning. Good morning. Thanks for coming on with us. Appreciate it. Thank you for having me. So uh, you uh, were quoted extensively in Chris Camrani's uh, story uh, in The Athletic. And it was all about uh, Morgan Scally, your interactions with him, other players as well, and uh, talked about their interactions with him. And uh, I was intrigued by what you had to say because uh, you didn't exactly embrace the premise. You had a nuanced view of what you wanted to say, and some of it was positive and supportive, but some of it was negative, and there were some bad experiences mixed in there. So I'm curious if you can kind of share those with our audience. Well, I think that um, I think that uh, like you said, it was good experience, it was bad experiences, but um, a lot of those bad experiences, uh, I wouldn't just say were just racial. You know, like um, he definitely wasn't the type of guy to walk in a room and say inward, 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 inward. No, he wasn't that guy. He wasn't a racist like that. Maybe he was prejudiced um, in some ways. You know, maybe at a time. Uh, people of my color are Polynesian sometimes would feel uncomfortable around him because he might say something that's out of pocket and sometimes we don't know. But to say he's a, you know, like a racist guy, I mean, I wouldn't say that, you know, and I don't say that, you know. So um, it's just a bittersweet topic, Um like you said, man, I'm more so on accountability. You just have to be accountable. You know, like what you said was wrong, just be accountable. I don't think no man should lose his job. A man have a family, you know, and things like that. Before as my personal experiences, I mean, it was just, you know, coach and player. You know, um, I don't feel no hate. Definitely never, ever felt hate. Never felt... Um, never disrespected any coaches um, my whole four years. So, like I said, it was just, you know, a bittersweet thing. You know, we agreed to disagree a lot. You know, um, a couple things he said didn't sit well with me, and we've always had to talk about it. You know, and and it was always a way we can get it resolved. But to say he's a racist and just come in a room and just you know, to have such hate for, you know, African-American people. Nah, I wouldn't say he's that. 
This was a story that was 3,500 uh, 3, words, which that in journalism, that's a long story. And I bring this up because there's a lot of stuff in the story, and it was so well done. But the, you had a quote in it that I thought that might have been the most powerful. And it's a simple quote, and it makes a lot of sense when you think about it. And it just said simply, as far as Morgan, quote, doesn't know his own ignorance. And when really, when you think about it, that is a, a lot of the core that is out there in society, not just college mm -hmm. football, University of Utah. I mean, how do we know if I'm treating Booby Hobbs right or wrong? Well, if I don't know it, how do I know how to correct it? I mean, I, that, that statement that you made I thought was so powerful, doesn't know his own ignorance, because if we knew our mm -hmm. ignorance, we can improve upon it. How do you think that, just generally speaking, in these situations, because this is a lot, uh, goes on a lot in sports, where you have mm -hmm. a person who's an authority figure trying to interact and teach and coach a lot of group of folks that are of a different race. And so how can we as a society, do you think, or in a college football, overcome our own ignorance to be able to treat guys like you who come up from Louisiana to Salt Lake City better the way they should be? Right. Well, I think it's more so on the will to want to be a better person. I mean, see, me and Scally had so many personal talks which is why I guess I was so voiceless. We had so many personal talks, and there would be times, you know, when I coach, this didn't sit well with me. You know, not saying, hey, you're racist, but this just didn't sit well with me. And me coming from where I come from, uh, I didn't grow up around a lot of, you know, you know, like white people, Caucasian. I didn't grow up around it. So when I got to college, it was a new world. So if it were things that I needed to learn, like I was learning about LDS and I was for the first time being around Polynesians. So what I had to learn was their culture. What I had to learn was to be more transparent. And I knew that because I was growing up into a young man. So for a young man to talk to his coach, hey coach, certain things don't sit well with me. You know that. And it will be time after time. Not saying it was blatant, not saying that it was, you know, uh, spiteful, but where were your growth? Where did I see you grow at when it came down to being a better person towards people like me? And I think that's where it was, you know, a lot of people like me, and not just because I'm uh, black, just people like me with my attitude, with my, with my, with my demeanor. You know, it's use, I'm still a player you're still my coach, and you have to find out what's going on with me as a player. You, you know, I'm I'm your player. You know, and I was at times. You know, it would get rocky. Like, hey, you know, uh, we just you know don't see eye to eye. You know, but far as it, like I said in the beginning, far as it being blatantly racial, it never was it. You know, it'd be sometimes he don't know he offended. You know, and I would tell him I was offended by that. You know, and he may come off, he may be in coach's mode and come off and be like, you know what, you're softer. You're, you're emotional. You got to get over it. You got to take constructive criticism, you know. And with me, that was never was the case. I mean, I come from a predominantly black school where we had 
black coaches telling us all kind of ignorant stuff. I mean, we come from a very urban area, you know, so for us constructive criticism, it never made me feel uncomfortable. Although when I didn't know if it was racial or prejudice or, you know, cause I'm, I'm a young kid. I did take offense. I, we come from two different worlds. I've always told Scally that ever since I've got to Utah. Coach, we come from two different worlds. Your judgment, your judgment hurt worse because you don't know where I come from. You know, so it's like, please understand me before you make judgment. You know, so that's yeah, just, I got you, you know what it was. Booby Hobbs joining us, former Utah defensive back. He is quoted extensively in Chris Kimrani's story uh, in The Athletic. Uh, one thing that you hit on several times was about second chances. Where's the second chance? Where's the forgiveness? Did you feel like second chances and forgiveness was doled out evenly? Um, as far as Scali's sake or my sake? I, I both. I was thinking. Uh, although, actually, I was thinking more to the pro, in the program because Morgan, as a defensive coordinator, has a big say in what's going on in the program. Is it doled out in the program specifically with Morgan, but generally in the program to players, whether they're you know regardless of their race or their religion or uh, what class they're in, you know, freshman or senior or whatever? Did you feel that was fair? Because what. I kind of thought that you, going through it, that you didn't think that it was handled fairly, but you didn't say that specifically, so I was curious if I was reading that right. Um, so, uh, I don't want to see a man lose his job, and I don't want to see Scally lose his I mean, after reading that article, you know, and seeing, like, that was my coach, you know, I don't want to see nothing bad happen to him, no matter how angry I, I may feel towards him at times. I don't want to see that happen. Now, I'm a I'm a very forgiving person, and Utah is my home. You know, um, I was granted a second chance, mind you. My second chance was very painful, very stressful, and I brought it amongst myself. And I knew that, you know, whatever the case may be, I'm not going to get into that. But I was awarded a second chance. And I was grateful of that second chance. I didn't know I was going to get a second chance. And that's why I was always saying accountability, accountability. Because Scotty told me when, hey, whenever I messed up, I had to be accountable. I couldn't make an excuse. I try my best not to make an excuse. Whether that's, hey, you know, coach, I didn't have enough sense of urgency today. I was late. I didn't have enough. You know, instead of coach, I was late, man. My alarm, alarm clock just go off. It's just all about accountability now. It was something that you said that was that, that, that got the public's eye, Coach Scally, now. Just be accountable. No, I don't want to say, coach, you're just a racist. Hey, you hated me. No, I know guys that hated you. No, I'm not going to do that. But just be accountable. And I feel that he will get a second chance. I feel that a second chance is, you know, reasonable. Like, you know, at this time with the whole George Floyd thing going on, you've got a lot of angry black people, you know, that are just angry. So as as of this time, you know, for, for, for you to be in the media for that specific reason, 
you just have to be accountable. You know, just be accountable. Hey, you made a mistake. We all know. We all know you didn't mean it because uh, obviously it's not something that you would just put on Twitter. You know, so we all know you didn't mean it. You know, you know uh, my biggest question in this whole thing was who was um, who was even receiving the racial slurs? You know, who was who, you know, like, if, if, if it was a, a mistake that happened, who was you mistakenly sending a racial slur to? You know, because it was tons of black people on the team at Utah. You know, which is why I say, hey, man, just be accountable. Because you got angry black people that, that, that can't take it that way. But just be accountable for your actions. And a second chance, you know, will be awarded and I think he deserves a second chance. He's the best football mind I've ever been around. He's the best coach as far as teaching me the game I've ever been around. You know, high school, college, NFL, CFL, AFL, XFL. He was the only coach who simplified the game to the point where it was easy. So I don't want to see his career diminished. You know, but as of now, just be accountable. There's a lot of black, angry people, you know, and not trying to give us, you know, hey, it's all about us. But, you know, just at the, it's, a, it's a sensitive moment. Had I came out and said something that didn't sit well with the Mormon society, I would feel deeply in sorrow and I would accept that because, you know what? I messed up and I see that. Let me grow. Give me a second chance. It's possible and it will happen. It's not the end of the world, you know. Yeah, well said. Appreciate that. One of the things that I enjoyed watching you play, one of the reasons why I enjoyed watching you play is that when you'd make a play or your team would make a play, you were very emotional and demonstrative mm-hmm. out on the field. And you'd express yourself that way through your jubilance of emotion when things went well and it was always fun to see a young man be excited about how he played and how his team played and I enjoyed that stuff do you believe that college players whether it be at Utah or wherever uh, are allowed to express themselves if it's a little bit different than what maybe some folks are used to um See that 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 was a bit of a problem, but I think that's what I think that's what growing as a coach means. You know, um, Scally asked me plenty of times my four years there, uh, what could I do as a coach? What could I? And mine was always the same every time he asked me, "Hey, coach, understand where we come from? Understand us." Coach, I'm a 17 year old kid. I would dive through a brick wall if you told me to. But I'm not going to dive in a brick wall if I think you don't respect me as a black man or respect my culture or where I come from. I won't do it. And I think that's where we were at. You know, uh, I come on the field, I'm dancing. Yeah. You know, everything I did for me was to get me into the game. I was already coming into football with, with a downfall. I was undersized. And coach, and being in high school, I didn't know that I was really undersized. When I got to college, they were like, you're undersized. Scally let me know that a lot. So I found other things to kind of get me in tune. You know, I found other ways to try to get in my opponent's head. And it was like, 
Scally was like, you know, that's not my football. That's not what I'm but it's like, cool, this is what I come from, this me, you know, like, I'm not trying to be disrespectful. Hey, I'm not trying to say I'm doing it my way. Never, ever in my career was a me guy. Even when I wanted to be, I couldn't be a me guy. I just don't sit well with me. You know, but that would be my only thing with Scott. Coach, we come from two different, I play the game different. You know, uh, or I play the game with this swagger. Uh, uh, I feel like this way. I want to listen to this music. I don't think no one should be judged off of how they interpret the game, how they approach the game. I don't care if a, if a, if a Polynesian player wants to play reggae, if a white player wants to play country. Hey, that's everyone's choice. You know, I would never say, if I'm a coach, I would never say to a player, hey, you know, stop dancing or stop that. You know, if it gets you into the game, you know, be yourself. You know, uh, always want to be yourself. I mean, there was times where, you know, we had, me and Scally personally had way more laughs than bad. You know, I would say the laughs outweigh the bad. You know, um, before as players just expressing them and expressing their culture, I think that was learned at Utah by them being in the Pac-12, they were getting so, such talent each year, such good talent each year, that, hey, now you're getting a lot of good players that come from these rural areas. You're getting a lot of good players that didn't grow up around diversity. You know, and a lot of my players know I would always say, man, I never really played with white people on my team growing up in the area I did. So when I got to do it, it was so movie-ish. It was so like, man, I like... I don't see what the world, why is the world like this, you know? But that was me having to learn everybody's side. I had to learn, you know, I just had to learn. Uh, if, it, if I felt the way with my Polynesian players, hey man, I'm gonna take some time out of football to come and learn you guys' culture. You know, I even got a, a, a piece of um, tribal tatted on me just because I've learned their culture and because I was so willing to learn. You know, I had great experiences with my um, white teammates that I did things I never thought I would do, and I loved it, you know. So, you know, it's just that learning everybody's culture, learning everybody's background, and really wanting to improve as a coach. Booby Hobbs joining us, <clears throat> former Utah defensive back. Uh, you mentioned you read the article, and I think whenever you do this, and I haven't talked to Chris about this yet, but whenever you do this, you're trying to make sure you can't talk to everybody. And as PK said, 3,500 words, that's a lot of words. This is a long story. And you're trying to make sure you represent a lot of different perspectives inside the programs. Since you inside the program, since you lived inside the program and you know a lot of guys, do you think the story got a lot of the different perspectives that you know existed inside the team? Um, I think it touched on topics that needed to be touched. Because, um, I mean, like you said, I mean, I was with Scally four years, so when I heard it, I just wanted to let it process to you. You know, and um, you got to draw the line between you know, coaching and disrespecting a player. You know, like you got to draw the like, hey, coach, you want me to be competitive? You're going to say things that's going to get me 
that's great. But as a coach, you got to draw the line between knowing what to say, how to say it, and who to say it to, because that matters. Now, you got a lot of players who were coming from diverse areas so they can understand what you're saying better. Scally, they, they, they can be numb to it. But for a person like me to not, to not see a person like you in my neighborhood, when I, whatever I'm expecting to hear from you, I'm all ears because I, you, you didn't come from where I'm from. Maybe you see the world different. Maybe you can, you know, so and for you to say or coach the way you coach, just, you know, alter it a little bit, you know, um, far as the story, the story, I felt like the story touched every base that needed to be touched. Everybody is going to have their own personal experiences. Um, I think a part of it were were, were um, just a little bit overboard, you know, because he's not just a bad guy, but, you know, it touched on things that needed to be touched on at this time. I believe that. Well, Booby, we appreciate a few minutes. Thanks for coming on and uh, sharing your thoughts uh, on the story. You know, I appreciate you guys for having me, man. There's Booby Hobbs, defensive back for the Utes, uh, former defensive back for the Utes from Louisiana, talking about his relationship with Morgan Scally. When we come back, the guy who wrote the article, Chris Camerani, the guy who wrestled the 3,500-word monster to the ground on the weekend. It, uh, I, I never knew that John Beck quote was going to be so useful. It ruined his whole weekend. <laughs> Chris will talk about that. Uh, why so many players got back to him so quickly. Uh, what he wishes he had put in the story uh, that he didn't, which seems incredible at 3,500 words he didn't. But wait till you hear how many words he, was, uh, he had in quotes that he had to pare down. We'll get to that coming up. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280, The Zone. We're joined now by Chris Camrani, youth writer for The Athletic. Chris, good morning. Good morning. How are we doing? Good. So that was one long story, 3,500 words. Have you ever written anything longer than that? You ever written a book? You guys know me. That's that's kind of par for the course. <laughs> you are a wordy guy. I am. I've never been able to get out of my own way. There were a lot of quotes in there. Uh, what were the ones that really stuck with you? Because inevitably, you didn't use all the quotes you got. So, yeah, But right. what... What really, uh, what really jumped out at you when you heard it? Uh, well, when I heard it, I was not ready for that information on a Friday afternoon. Um, but once that came to light, the weekend ceased to exist, and I just had to burn the phone lines and try to talk to as many people as I can. And, and luckily, um, a lot of you know former players got back to me and. Uh, for me, I think nobody encapsulated the situation um, as objectively as Booby Hobbs. And I just listened to Booby's interview that you guys had with him. And 
he he just uh, did a really good job for me, and I also think he did a really good good job with you guys, um, just telling his honest story and how um, he felt sometimes a little bit marginalized and 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 didn't know if he was being judged differently uh, because of his uh, race or background. Um, I also really, really liked um, Stevenson Sylvester's uh, statement to me. I mean, so I politely declined comment out of respect for the program, but did want it to be included in in the story. And um, he kind of summed it up too, like a lot of other players did that, like Morgan is not a racist in their minds, but he is a product of his circumstances and that he needs to eventually uh, figure out how to fix this going forward. I said this to you privately in phone conversations. I want to say it publicly. It's some of the best sports journalism that I've seen in this community in the 25-plus years that I've been here. I thought it was a great job, and so I wanted to be on record to say that publicly. It was a phenomenal story, and I appreciate all the work that you put into it. Uh, Going forward, I've been making this claim that that the U of U program can be better for this. It was an unfortunate situation. We cannot – Look at it loosely. We have to take it extremely seriously and consequences, whatever they may be. And I'm hopeful that uh, the same folks who were employed then can be employed now. And I believe when they take the field, when they gather in the team room, whatever it might be, there will be a heightened sensitivity for each individual. And because of that, that the program can move forward in a manner that will be better. How would you respond to that? Yeah, I mean, I think now more than ever is the time to give a platform to young people to speak their minds, especially young people of color, Um, especially here. I mean, we can't really forget that a lot of these young men are coming from places all over the country. Um, Maybe they've been on a visit here to Salt Lake City one time, but otherwise they have pretty much grown up in a lot of places where like, I mean, Booby said it himself, like he wasn't around a lot of Caucasian people growing up. Um, we're at a flashpoint in our history, I think. Um, and I don't think being able to give more people a platform to just stand up and feel comfortable just to voice what they're feeling is a bad thing. I've said this a lot, just because something has been done the way it's been done for forever doesn't necessarily mean it's the perfect way. And I think this is an opportunity for coaches, not only in college football, but in professional sports and every other avenue of sports to be able to lay out some runway and say, all right, guys, let's be real as possible, because that's really the only way you're going to be able to push forward, I think, um, as a team. And it's hard in football because you have so many kids from so many different backgrounds. I mean, we know that Utah is predominantly – a third white, a third Polynesian, and a third black. And I think that works to their favor in terms of being able to integrate so many kids from different areas and backgrounds and socioeconomic groups and be able to meld them into a team. Uh, we've seen that over the years. But at the same time, we are living in a in a really important seminal moment in the history of our uh, generation. I mean, I'm not trying to date you guys, but you guys have seen some stuff. But for for my generation, this is it, I think, more than I can ever remember. And for me, this is going to be a merging of of sport and politics and just basically be able to relate as much as possible on a human level 
and maybe not always have it be about X's and O's or depth charts or playing time. Chris Camrani joining us right here, Utes writer for The Athletic. So is there anything in the story that you wish you'd had a chance upon further reflection a few days later? You know, sometimes people get back to you after you've already written the story, but that's when the call gets returned. Anything (laughs) more you've heard you wish you could add, but it was after the fact? Um, A little bit here and there. Um, You know, you you mentioned, DJ, like there's sometimes you you aren't able to include everything. And I actually went back over my, my, my notes and transcriptions, and there was one piece that, I did not include from Robert Johnson that that really resonated with me um, that I think reflects the issue at hand. And what Robert told me was what we need to realize is that just because a black player from from Southern California grew up in South Central doesn't mean he's going to have the exact same reaction to coaching style or humor or playful banter as a guy who grew up in South Florida or as a guy who grew up in, you know, Houston, Texas. Robert is a very thoughtful, positive guy. And I, and I'm mad at myself because I going back over the 12,000 words of, of notes and quotes, that's the one thing that I, that, that resonates with me and what I wish I would have included. And that's kind of the issue at hand, guys. I mean, frankly, there are we've we've heard from from guys who say they've never had a negative experience with Morgan, and we do need to make it clear. I need to make it clear that everybody I talked to said they've never heard Morgan say a racial slur blatantly. Um, but at the same time, there there were some former players that talked to me that said he made them feel uneasy and uncomfortable, and that they didn't necessarily respond well to some of his coaching tactics or his phrasings. Uh, and, and, and that, to me, is, is the crux of this issue, and, and Robert hit on it so well, that we can't basically say, here's an athletic young black man uh, from somewhere around the country. He should respond the way some of his constituents do. Yeah, I thought that the boobies quote that he didn't know his own ignorance, well, of course, that if, you don't, if you're ignorant, then you don't know it. So it's sort of a, a roundabout way of, of uh, a little bit of a – I don't know what you would say, not 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 an oxymoron, but a sense of redundancy, I guess. But how much do you think it is just born out of that, which any of us can be in that situation of not knowing our own ignorance? Yeah, I mean, I wish, I, I really wish, guys, I could have been able to talk to Morgan and give him the the platform to respond to some of these allegations. But unfortunately, the ongoing nature of the investigation hindered that, and I understand that. I don't, you know, want to pretend that I, I know Morgan's train of thought because I don't, and I respect him, and I respect him, and I'm not going to necessarily uh, pretend that I I know where he was coming from. But I will say, all of us are guilty of being ignorant at some point in our lives, and me especially. I told you this, you know, PK. I, I told a lot of people this on the radio. This this is even a learning moment for me um, and I'm not making this about myself but I, I, I just think that all of us have a chance to be a little uh, existential and just look at how we do our jobs too and how are we making everybody feel more comfortable and more inclus- inclusive and it, it, it's just a time for, for me for reflection this has nothing to do with Morgan this is just all my opinion but to answer your question PK I, I mean everybody's guilty of it yeah. But I think when you're when you're a college football coach uh, at a major program, 
successful program, um, you know, making the money that Morgan is and just having the stature and kind of the gravitas that, that Morgan carries, I think you're just held to a specific standard. And I don't think that's a bad thing. And I think Morgan, if you could talk to him now, I think he would tell you the exact same thing. Chris Camrani joining us, Ute writer for The Athletic. Uh, you said you feel like we're at a seminal moment. Uh, you're old yeah. enough to remember moments that looked somewhat like this, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, but I, there has but there hasn't been the permanent change. And PK and I are older, no. and we can certainly remember Rodney King, and maybe you know more yep. stuff before that. Not just on Morgan individually, but I want to go societal. Yeah. Are you optimistic that we're actually going to learn something, change something, and not repeat this? At least not repeat it the same way. Or is this going to be Groundhog Day three, five, seven years <laughs> down the line? Um, I, I am a bleeding heart cynic you guys know that and i've never wanted to be the more opposite in my life than i am right now i want to embrace uh, a total sense of optimism and 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 hope that we can change and um it it's it's mind-blowing for me because here i am i'm 33 years old my profession is to watch sports for a living Never in a million years did I think that I would be discussing my opinion on a matter that is of the utmost importance to a huge, important group of of people in this country. And frankly, it should be important to everybody. That's my opinion. I know some people will disagree with that, and that's fine. But um, I I hope more than anything that we can figure it out. Um, History is not on our side. Unfortunately, we've been here before, as you said, DJ. Um, and I, w- I was telling this to some of my friends the other day. There's a, there are reasons why certain points in history are what they are. I mean, why, why are the moments that stick out to me most when I was a kid was watching, uh, you know, the Rodney King riots on TV when I was like six or seven? Like, why do I remember the OJ chase? Everything in, in the history of this country that that means something, frankly, especially to someone like me, who is a mixed race kid is, is built around the premise of, of race and racial injustice. And we are at this point now where I feel like my generation and the younger generations are, are doing their damnedest to be able to be heard and to just frankly do what they think is right. And now that the protests have, have calmed a little bit and have been peaceful all around the country, I mean, this is crazy, guys. I mean, you know, Spike Lee said it joked last week when, in an interview with the New York Times. He was like, I never knew that there were this many black people in Salt Lake City. But as we saw last or two Saturdays ago, like Salt Lake's protests got the most pub. Now, not all of it good, but that means that we're growing and we're emerging as a diverse city and society. And that's not a bad thing. And, I, and I've told a lot of people this, that it's okay to feel uncomfortable it's okay to, to question some of your, you know, thoughts. It's not a bad thing. I mean, that's the most human element to existing is just trying to learn and try to level with somebody and try to see where they're coming from. Um, I think now so many of us are just, you know, backed into a corner with our shields up and our swords out, you know, afraid that we're going to be um, judged or marginalized or have a situation flipped on our head 
Whereas the, the, the importance of what's going on, what people want now is just to be heard, and they just basically want equality. And, and, it, and it's a, it sounds funny for me to say, but it's not funny, because this is something that people have been dealing with for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. And that's not hyperbole. And as you said, DJ, like, is it going to be Groundhog Day? I don't want it to be. But again, history is not on our side, and I want nothing more than to be wrong. Sometimes when people make mistakes, there's uh, factions of folks who basically want blood. If they end Mm -hmm. up deciding not to make changes and retain uh, Scowley and whomever else, do you think that there will be potential blowback on that? Uh, uh, That's a good question. I mean, I think... This investigation, um, when it's finalized, we will hopefully hear the scope of it uh, internally and externally. I think you need to be able to take the pulse of those in the program and former players, frankly, um, to see what what they think. But as you said, and as as many players told me, nobody called for for Morgan's job. Um, quite the opposite, in fact, they they wanted this. Um, to be a, a reflection point for Morgan and a learning point. Uh, but I think long-term, depending on the nature of the investigation um, and its findings, it, it might hinder the program going forward, frankly. I mean, there are so many different um, avenues that this way that this thing can go, and it just makes me wonder, Utah, in a sense, is already up against the eight ball when it comes to recruiting some areas of the country. Now, they've done a phenomenal job at the same time, but also you're, you're up against it a little bit. You're up against the stigmas, and, um, and I just think that this could be a, a potential uh, speed bump and a pretty sizable speed bump um, for them going forward, especially if they want to you know, bust through that glass ceiling and not get to the Pac-12 title, but but win that game. Um, but again, right now, uh, it seems kind of foolish just talking about X's and O's and, and, and stuff like that. That's not the most important thing at hand. Uh, that's just where I think long-term, on a surface level, it could affect Utah's football program. Chris Camerani joining us, Ute writer for The Athletic. Do you have any indication uh, talking to players, and maybe you talked to them so quickly it was too early, but I'm thinking if they're yeah. doing the investigation, this has got to be a really thorough, deep dive. It, it, yep. I, I've said before that if they wanted to fire Morgan, they could have already done it. So on yep. some level, they don't want to. And the players you talk to who, although they have some level of conflict with Morgan about race— have also made it very clear, including Booby in his interview here with you and on the radio with us, I don't want him fired. So if yeah. they're going to hear that, and you talk to a lot of players, and they need to talk to more and staffers and support staffers. Yep. So yep. I think it's a long investigation, but I'm starting to think that there's a pretty good chance that's what they're going to hear. Is that what you've been left with talking to people? Yeah, I mean, like you said, I... I was explaining it to some colleagues. Like it's a once in a blue moon where you throw out so many messages and have that many people get back to you in like a 36 hour time frame. That doesn't happen that much in this business. So I'm going to chalk that up to being an anomaly of sorts um, because 
especially on a weekend. So I lucked out in that sense, and I'm, I'm thankful that you know those former players felt comfortable enough to talk to me about what they felt and experienced. But the the scope of the investigation, I, I agree, will have to be in depth and thorough as possible, um, and they're going to have to get uncomfortable. I'm sure they're going to have to try to unturn every stone to to make sure that this hasn't been an uh, maybe a deeper issue within the program and. Um, because they're, <laughs> I don't want to say they're in damage control mode, but in a sense they they are, and um, it, it's going to be fascinating to see what turns up. Because um, to your point, DJ, they they can't really rush this thing. Um, I think if there was a, a decision made, we might have already heard about it already. Um, so that leads me to believe that this investigation will be uh, pretty objective and and in-depth as possible because there are two sides of every story. And as we saw in my piece, there were several players who spoke out in support of Morgan and others who still spoke out in support of Morgan's job and maintaining it, but said that they had negative experiences and that they wanted, they wanted to be heard after all these years. I don't want you to scoop yourself, but uh, you can just tell us in a yes or no form if you want. Do you have other stuff that you're planning to do on this? I mean, I, I think I have to. I wouldn't be... Uh, good at my job if I wasn't still trying to do my due diligence across the board. Um, this is, uh, I think, one of the biggest stories in the recent uh, Utah sports realm um, in terms of unexpectedness and kind of shocking news. And I think everybody on, on every side of this deserves to be heard from. Um, now, with the investigation going on, we probably won't hear from Morgan or Kyle uh, or Mark Harlan. Maybe Mark. I don't know about that yet. But it's uh, it's important to be able to keep doing the work. And as uncomfortable as it is, um, that's the the nature of the job sometimes, unfortunately. And uh, yeah, it was a, a pretty heavy weekend. There was no Saturday or Sunday. There was only minutes and seconds and hours. <laughs> Uh, Friday to Monday, huh? <laughs> yeah, precisely. Well, if you do another story, you can use that Robert Johnson quote you've been beating yourself up yep. not using, and then, you know, it all comes out in the wash. There you go. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that that would be cool. Um, but, again, my like everyone else, my head is, is still kind of spinning a little bit, and... Um, Sometimes you just got to put your head down and work. That's not me patting myself on the back. It's just the nature of the gig, guys, you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Well, we appreciate it. Thanks for a few minutes, Chris, and a uh, good story. It was definitely a good read. Awesome. Thank you, guys. There's Chris Camrani from The Athletic right here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. When we come back, what is trending? All the headlines are on the way.